Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads, blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills. We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships. I'm Megan Sundra. And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever. Hey, Rebel Hearts, Meg here. Thanks for tuning back in and being patient during our two-week break. Just wanted to give you an update. Fernando is going to be stepping back from the podcast for a bit while he recalibrates and finds a new approach to certain things in his life. He's gone through a lot of big shifts over the past year since we started this, and I'm glad he's doing what feels right. We might have him on as like a once a month special guest or something like that. In the meantime, I'm still going to be doing these weekly deep dives into some fascinating and super helpful topics around love, sex, and emotional intelligence. So if you've been enjoying these, stay tuned and tell a friend. You can also find me on social media and YouTube as Megan Sundra, where I share helpful bite-sized videos a few times per week. And if you've gotten something of value from this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Now onto the show. Today, I'm going to give you the 101 crash course on attachment styles and how they affect your sex life. This is a research-supported framework to understand your relationship and attach attraction dynamics in a whole new light. It's been life-changing for me, my friends, and my clients. I hope this episode serves as a powerful base for you to explore and grow in these concepts. The best sex happens when both parties feel safe. This is beyond just physically safe, like believing the other person won't hurt you and will respect your boundaries, but emotionally safe. This can look and feel many different ways, but emotional safety is comprised of trust, acceptance, openness, honesty, non-judgment, patience, and empathy. You want to believe with reasonable certainty that you'll be appreciated for who you are, that your quirks won't be ridiculed, that your flaws won't be criticized. That space will be held for whatever emotions you experience, that your partner will try to understand you and meet you where you're at. Sure, that may sound pretty touchy-feely and might not be the type of thing most people are consciously evaluating, but isn't that the ideal kind of awesome context in which to have mind-blowing sex? (laughs) For a tree to bear delicious fruit, it must be grown in fertile soil, right? This context is that fertile soil for an amazing connection to grow, even if it's just for one sexy night or a lifetime. Having the well-developed emotional intelligence and the right relational tools will allow you to create this kind of context. Knowing your attachment style, and ideally, knowing your partners too, is one of those tools. It's an awareness of your internal wiring when it comes to connection and conflict and understanding where this programming comes from and what it means for your love life today. Attachment styles affect the way we perceive ourselves as individuals and how we view romantic bonds. They predict how we approach and act in relationships by forming our underlying beliefs and assumptions about love, sex, and connection. You may not know or understand your attachment style, but you sure as hell are aware of that tightness in your gut when your partner moves their hand away when you try to hold it or that desire to run away when your partner texts you all day and still complains you don't give them enough attention. 
Understanding your attachment style will help you understand why these things happen in your relationships and point you toward how to work through dealing with them differently. You may even find much of the pain and friction disappear. Attachment theory comes from the work psychoanalyst John Bowlby and psychologist Mary Ainsworth did in the 1960s and 70s. They researched the effects of family bonds on the emotional development of children and found that during the first year of a child's life, children learn how to connect with others and express their needs. Those whose caregivers are consistently responsive, mirror emotions back to them, meet their needs, and provide comfort help them form a quote-unquote secure attachment style, meaning that they're more easily able to form connections later in life, express what they need, ask for help, without fear of, of abandonment or criticism. Childhood is full of literally millions of cycles of rupture slash distress and repair slash soothing between parents and children. Developing a secure attachment style isn't due to an absence of trauma, but rather about having your needs met and emotions validated by your primary caregiver. As an adult, having a secure attachment style looks like being attuned to your partner's emotional and physical cues and knowing how to respond to them, as Levine and Heller describe in their book, Attached. Relationship conflict doesn't make you totally shut down or react with an activated flight or fight response. You're good at self-regulation, you're grounded, you can take accountability for mistakes, and you're unafraid of open communication with your partner. You're comfortable being interdependent with your partner, you have healthy self-esteem and positive beliefs about relationships, your relationships are generally stable and intimate. It's not that secure attachment style people have no negative emotions or no relationship conflict. It's just that they handle it in a way that produces greater intimacy, security, and growth rather than an intense drama enmeshment or a total shutdown of intimacy. But if this key period of childhood development is consistently disrupted, it may hinder the development of secure attachment, instead giving rise to the other attachment styles, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. These three are often referred to as maladaptive or insecure attachment styles. They're incredibly common, but it doesn't mean you're broken or incapable of a healthy relationship. Attachment styles aren't set in stone once they're developed, and they're not rigid categories, and they can change over time. In fact, your attachment style can even fluctuate based off what type of person you're dating at a given time. Some people push different buttons we didn't know we even had. <laughs> they can bring up unhealed wounds from deep within our programming. Let's explore these insecure types, what they look like, and where they come from. First, avoidant attachment results when a child gives up on getting reassurance from their primary caregiver who is unreliable. They learn to fend for themselves, avoiding both vulnerability and connection. If you're an avoidant attachment type, you may be fiercely independent, untrusting, guarded, self-reliant, and maybe perceived as aloof or mysterious sometimes. You're pragmatic, direct, highly logical. You may not be very affectionate, expressive, communicative, or commitment-oriented. 
you often perceive your partner to be needy or clingy and feel smothered by them at times. You probably don't fall in love quickly or have an urge for commitment or believe in that happily ever after narrative. Avoidant types tend to have fewer long-term relationships and prefer to either abstain from sex or have short-term and casual sex encounters, and they don't particularly enjoy passionate or playful foreplay. In conflict, you might get emotionally flooded and hang up the phone, slam the door, storm out of the room, or totally shut down, feeling an intense urge to break up with your partner and get away from all these painful feelings. There are two variations of the avoidant attachment style, fearful avoidant and dismissive avoidant. You may be the fearful avoidant type if you feel the urge to pull away to avoid your partner's potential rejection. It's the, I'll leave them before they can leave me narrative. You might feel overwhelmed by emotional intimacy, feeling helpless, anxious, or distrustful. This attachment style often results from caregivers who were inconsistent, abusive, or had their own unprocessed trauma. You may be the other variant, dismissive avoidant, if you find it very difficult to be vulnerable with others. You may be used to doing things on your own, rely exclusively on yourself to meet your own emotional needs. You have difficulty interrelating, need a lot of space, and give a lot of space to your partner rather than reaching out and seeking intimacy with them. This attachment style often results from caregivers who were unemotional, distant, unresponsive, or negligent. The second main insecure attachment style is anxious attachment. You may have this type if you're often afraid your partner will leave you, cheat on you, or is secretly falling out of love with you. You might indirectly request reassurance from your partner frequently or seek confirmation everything is okay between you, that they still love and are committed to you. You tend to be a people pleaser, worrying about rejection, going above and beyond to earn someone's love or approval, feeling like you're not good enough as you are. You crave lots of affection, quality time, affirmation, and attention. You process emotions externally by talking with other people about them. In conflict, you can't let it go until it's resolved. You might betray your own boundaries or ignore your own needs to hold the relationship together. You might often be the one texting, are you mad at me? And feel very uncomfortable if your partner doesn't reply quickly. This style comes from a childhood in which you were constantly monitoring your caregiver to reassure yourself that they're not going to abandon you. There was a fear and uncertainty at the root of that important early relationship. Anxious types often use sex for approval, fall in love easily, and generally mistrust their partner. You might find yourself with a partner you feel obsessed about, preoccupied about where they're at and what they're doing, and when they seem unavailable or disinterested in you, you respond with outbursts of anger or jealousy. Maybe you've been called needy, clingy, or overly dependent, yet you feel unappreciated and misunderstood by your partner. Having sex with your partner makes you finally feel approved of, appreciated, reassured, connected, and desired on a deep level. Lastly, disorganized attachment style is a mix of anxious and avoidant types. It's when you fluctuate between these two, depending on the partner or situation in the moment. You might be hot and cold toward your partner, wanting them desperately one moment, needing a ton of space the next. You fear being abandoned or unwanted, but simultaneously want to distance yourself or dump them first. 
it's probably confusing to you as well as to your partner. Interestingly, anxious and avoidant types tend to be magnetically attracted to each other and end up in tumultuous push-pull relationships. This pattern may seem obvious from the outside, but when you're part of it, it's very difficult to recognize until you learn about attachment styles and get real about your own patterns. You may be used to the uncertainty, the instability, the drama masquerading as passion. These two types have corresponding wounds and are attracted to each other because that's subconsciously familiar. Then they fall into these long repeating patterns and push each other's buttons, resulting in codependence, disconnection, and dissatisfaction. If you and your partner are triggering each other frequently and the relationship often feels on the rocks, I'm willing to bet you're having what feels like super passionate sex too, right? (laughs) Sex can play a role in this dynamic that temporarily soothes and reconnects between people playing tug of war or a game of chase. But the rush of pleasure chemicals in your brain is just a band-aid unless the deeper issues get addressed and fixed. If you're an anxious type, how can you feel accepted enough to try something new in the bedroom with your partner if you're worried about them rejecting you or dumping you if you have a fight later this week? Or if you're an avoidant type, how can you experience greater pleasure by fully letting go into a state of merging with your partner during sex if you're afraid they'll just keep demanding more and more of you emotionally, taking over your whole life? Great sex is built on intimacy, trust, mutuality, vulnerability, and security. If this sounds like boring sex to you, let me open your mind. (laughs) Think about it. Let's say you're an anxious type and you want to get tied up by your partner and feel super exposed, letting yourself get totally immersed in pleasure and openness, but you already feel vulnerable and exposed in the relationship emotionally. How are you going to feel like your partner is going to provide that safe container for you to explore in the bedroom if they've recently mentioned during a fight, they've been thinking this isn't the best relationship for them and what if there's someone better out there? Now that's a passion killer for sure. And that's just one example. It goes both ways. Each type has different needs and coming to a place of balance with your partner involves part meeting your own needs and self-soothing and part getting your needs met by your partner once they're aware of what those are and how you want them met. Taking a step toward better understanding your partner by learning their attachment style is an act of love. It's saying, hey, I care about you and want to help you feel happy, secure, appreciated, safe, and enlivened. I want to know how you tick, and I'm willing to learn new things and make changes to my behaviors and patterns. I see it's in service of the greater good for both of us. Hot, right? Sex has a different meaning to the different attachment types. It plays a different role functionally and psychologically in their relationships. Some people may use sex to get the feeling of connection and commitment they crave. Others may prefer not to entangle emotions with sex and not believe there's any implicit connection that results from an encounter. Some may see it as affirmation of a relationship's stability, while others might avoid it because it feels too much like obligation and enmeshment to them. Securely attached people have good self-esteem and may not attach meaning to sex in relation to their own lovability or worthiness. They've learned how to respectfully have vulnerable and honest conversations around sex with their partner and feel comfortable with affection, intimacy, and closeness. 
So how can you transform your attachment style, support your partner in their journey if they wish to become more secure too, and achieve this healthy, fulfilling, secure connection? Well, it's totally possible, and luckily there are tons of tools and resources out there for you. The process involves internal work, self-guided and through therapy or coaching, examining your fears, insecurities, needs, communicating in new ways with your partner, negotiating ways to get needs met, learning tools for emotional moderation and nervous system regulation, and recognizing and unlearning old patterns and assumptions. It doesn't happen overnight, of course, but even starting somewhere on the path can create noticeable results, especially if the efforts are part of a conscious, intentional relationship with a willing and open-minded partner. I've experienced this myself, in fact. (laughs) Once I learned about my attachment style several years ago, I started devouring content about it and made note of my own patterns. I started seeing them come up during conflict, and I was able to talk about and unpack my observations after conflict. I was able to look back at past relationships and dating patterns and notice which role I was playing and when. I gained clarity about how my style changed and shifted over time with certain partners. For example, at one point, uh, as much as I thought I was fairly avoidantly attached at the time, I met a guy who was extremely avoidant. Being held at arm's length made me want to try and grasp for attention even more. His avoidance triggered some latent anxious attachment tendencies within me that came out when I was the one reaching out to set dates, passively accepting when he broke the plans, worrying and overanalyzing when he didn't text me back for days or weeks at a time, and using sex as a way to get his affection, attention, and a sense of a stable connection I hoped would deepen and grow into the future. It didn't. He still ended up ghosting me. (laughs) It was the last draw for me. I had to start living differently, so I spent years working on my self-awareness and emotional intelligence and found a mostly secure partner who was equally willing to invest in our relationship and grow together. Sure, we trigger each other's attachment wounds a lot during conflict, but we're able to talk about it and work through it. We have shared language and understanding around why we act and react the way we do, and we've created corresponding agreements to prevent some of these triggers to be able to call out what's happening and to heal and reconnect more effectively afterwards. All this emotional growth I've been accumulating is what I try to distill and share in my videos, social media posts, and this podcast. I've read the hundred self-improvement books, so you don't have to. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I hope this has been an enlightening overview of the concept of attachment styles. But in order to get the most value out of this, you definitely should take a quiz to determine your own attachment style. An excellent one is at the beginning of the book called Attached by Amir Levine, Rachel Heller. And um, there are others online, uh, short and easy quizzes, but I think the most in-depth one is in that book attached. Uh, I recommend getting a deeper understanding from additional books such as Wired for Love by Stan Tatkin, um, following attachment-related Instagram accounts, actually, (laughs) and perhaps working with a relationship coach to walk you through understanding your feelings and what to do with them. This is a lens you can use to see your relationship dynamic in a new context. It's been a game changer for myself, friends, and clients. This one is worth really digging in.
As always, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week with more emotional intelligence topics on Head Over Feels.